worship service. I just want to say how much I appreciate this church and this ministry that we have. And listening to Brother Jason last night and Brother John, and you know, it's so encouraging for my heart because sometimes it can be what Brother Jason said last night. Sometimes life can be very lonely. And we can be surrounded by people. And you know, in a day and age when we have social media, I think they said that there is more depression and loneliness and sadness today. Because those numbers on your page that say a thousand people are your friends, they're not your friends. But God has given us a church where we do have a family. We have a pastor that cares about us and the saints, that real brothers and sisters. And I'm thankful to be here today. Um, this is a song I'm about to sing. It's a song that really blessed my heart because when I heard it, I thought of, you know, for the past few weeks, I've been going through a really difficult time, really tough time. And I don't mean to burden you with that, but yeah, there was one day where I went upstairs and just cried on my mom's shoulders. And you know when you face difficult times, saints, you know that's when God wants you to praise Him. That's when it counts that we praise Him and we lift Him up and we thank Him. Because that's in the trials and the troubles, that's when He loves us. That's when He's showing His love for us. I'm just so thankful to be here today. I like this song, and I hope that we can think about it and, and think of how we can praise our Savior in the best and worst of times, always realizing how much He loves us and what He's done for us. Thank you. 
you, Father. Heavenly Father, today, as we come before you, we come with praises and adoration and thanks. Thank you for this day that you created for us. Pray that you'll help us to rejoice and to be glad in it. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity we have to come together as a people to worship you. Thank you for everything you've done for us, for sending your only begotten Son into this world to be the sacrifice, and Lord, to shed his precious blood to redeem us from our sins. There's much appreciation today for salvation. And Lord, we thank you today for the way you have dealt with our hearts and touching our minds and opening our eyes to see the truth in your word. And Father, you have kept us unto this moment. We give you thanks and praise, not only for your blessings upon us, but for your daily provisions, O oh God. Today we bring before you every one of your children, those with special needs in their lives, those that face challenges in life. O oh God, those that are going through hard times, loneliness and problems and unbearable things that they seem hard to face. Lord, we know that you're able to give strength to those that are weak. Lord, you are our healer in times of sicknesses. You are protection, O oh Father, and you care for us more than we can ever imagine. Those of us, Lord, with weaknesses that we find so hard to overcome certain habits in life, we pray, Father, that you will help us. Lord, give us the strength and the willpower. Let the Holy Spirit continue to work in our hearts, O oh God, to lead us and to direct us. Father, it's our desire to be filled with the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit as Jesus was led. Lord, it is our desire to have the mind of our Lord Jesus, to have His ways, godly ways. Today we pray that you'll make us sanctuaries for you. Let our lives become a living epistle that could be seen and read of men. Oh God, we pray today that you'll direct our paths. And Lord, help us to make the right choices in life, to make the right decisions. Oh God, it's not our will, but let your will be done. We commit our service today in your hands. Remember those around the world, children that are suffering, families that are torn apart. Oh God, many are faced with challenges in life, wars and natural disasters. And, and Father, problems unbearable. We ask you for mercy today. We ask you for strength. And those, those of us here in North America, we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be ever grateful and thankful to you for what we have and the blessings that you've all poured upon our lives. Father, we commit our future entirely in your hands. We thank you today for this church that you've blessed us with. Help us to take your words seriously. Let your words find roots in our hearts and bring about a change, O oh God. Let us just not beat the ear, but Father, decide deep down in our souls to make that commitment and dedication, Lord, to make the changes that are required. Father, that we can be in your glorious kingdom. Bless this service today, we pray. Anoint our pastor. Give him the right words to say. Give him the wisdom he needs and the guidance and direction. Oh God, an utterance, we pray. On all boldness, we ask it. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you today, Lord. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. Well, it's good to be in church today. Um, 
let's see. We were privileged to have Brother Ron's father and mother visit with us how many months? Four months. They've been in four? Four and a half months they've been in Canada. And this might be the last service they're in here um, before they plan their trip sometime this month. Uh, they're going back to India. And um, good time to go because the weather is going to start to change and become freezing. We were really blessed to have you visit with us. And uh, we pray that it will not be the last time. All right. So it's good to have them. Um, we're glad we can be in church. Uh, if you haven't seen us for a while, like Mandy. Where is Mandy? There is Mandy. We haven't seen her for a while. Uh, Mandy has been a kid that grew up in this church. And so when, when I think of Mandy, I was reminding her today that she is a miracle kid. And uh, not only Mandy had things happen in her life and she saw the hand of God work in her life, bring deliverance. Uh, but uh, Brianna uh, is another miracle kid. These are kids that grew up in this church and they had miraculous things happen in their lives. Brianna was about how old, Pat? 10 months. About 10 months old when she fell down from the top of that step there straight down to the bottom. And we thought she broke her neck. Ambulance took her to the hospital and we got down here and prayed. And God was merciful. We didn't have the power of God. God was merciful. And when by the time she got there, they had a lying down, she got up and started to play. And there she is, beautiful girl, uh, still alive. Man with Mandy. And today I, I got up this morning and I'm thinking there's scriptures running through my mind. And I'm thinking uh, there are some positive scriptures, but sometimes the scriptures run through my mind for my benefit, not for the congregation. And that is why I listen to my own messages over and over and over that I could um, see what God is talking to me about and how I could make adjustments. And all the scriptures I had in my mind, I didn't feel inclined to do any. And so I thought maybe I'm sitting here and it's too noisy or something. And so I went to, here I am standing before you. And the first uh, scripture that came into my mind was in Romans, the sixth, the Romans, the 15th chapter of the book of Romans. And I'm going to make this as uh, precise and short a message as possible. Um, <clears throat> the age we're living in, and um, they're trying times. Uh, we have a war in the Mideast, we have a war in Ukraine. We've got, I've, in the past two days, I heard about volcano eruption, I heard about earthquake, I heard about flooding, and there's no end to disasters all around the world. Indeed, the earth is rocking to and fro like a drunkard. And so I got up, I went down, and I was telling Brother Raleigh, I make a combination tea in the morning, some mornings. And um, uh, this morning I made a combination tea, and it involves some tea from India. Uh, there's a healthy choice tea. 
a red label I think it's a healthy choice it says uh, nature's health put that in my large cup and then I looked around again found green tea that's loose put that in and then I looked around again and found black tea that gives it the color so I put a couple bags of black tea and then I remember I had bitter melon and so I took two bags of bitter melon put them in and um, if you like good tasting tea don't drink my combination healthy choice and so it was miserable but I drank it I got accustomed and that's how my day got started and when I'm thinking about uh, the situation I opened my uh, Facebook page and I found a, a post I posted six years ago uh, where I posted about uh, Israel that God will give them over to blindness in part until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Beautiful, amazing uh, memory from six years ago that fits in. So not only did the Lord talk to us the week prior to the war that got started about war and nations coming against Israel, but five, six years ago, uh, we were able to able to get into that and ever so often God speaks to this church and I'm amazed in the 15th chapter of the book of Romans uh, Paul is writing here there's one verse I really want and that's verse 4 but I'll back up to verse 1 Paul says uh, we then that are strong spiritually strong that is we then that are spiritually strong ought to bear the infirmities of those that are not spiritually strong, the weak, and not to please ourselves. We're not living here for our own benefit. We're living here for the benefits of the people around us. And a couple of weeks ago, I told it when I'm picking up the news and listening to the news some people are pro-Israel and some people are pro-Palestinian and I guess some are pro-Canadian and some are pro-American and pro-everything else well when I weighed myself carefully I think I'm just pro-humanity anybody that is in trouble can run to me and I'll be there for you whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God whether you're Hindu Muslim Presbyterian Baptist whoever you are if you're in trouble and you need some consolation I'm there for you I can't afford to be prejudiced uh, someone said many years ago that the greatest enemies to missionary work to missions are prejudice and indifference with ignorance being the mother of both. The greatest enemies to missions are prejudice and indifference with ignorance being the mother of both. I changed that around slightly after I read it and I came up with this concept. The greatest enemies to missions are prejudice Prejudice and indifference with spiritual blindness being the mother of both. And so whether it's today or 2,000 years ago, people were always prejudiced. The reason why they killed Jesus was because they were prejudiced. The reason why Jeremiah got killed was because they were prejudiced. And down through the history of religion, 
God, the Christian religion, uh, our religion, it has always been that God's men were persecuted by a society that never accepted them. And so I'm reading here and it says, those of us in the church today, those of us that are sitting here, if you're spiritually strong, you ought to bear the weakness, the infirmities, cope, bear up with people that are not really spiritually strong. You know someone that is struggling to live for God, be there for them, pray for them, pray for them. Uh, this morning, I, in my quiet time, and I go through a routine, you know, like uh, you get up at, uh, early in the morning and you go through the routine. I told, I told the young men, my grandsons, that I read a book and I give Nathan a copy of that book. You remember the title of the book? Make Your Bed. Can you imagine a book says, Make Your, make your Bed? And I give him a copy of that. And it tells you when you wake up in the morning, the first project you have before you even watch your face in the mirror is to make your bed up. I didn't need to read a book to do that. I do that every day of all my life. When I get up in the morning, you get up and you do something and that's how your day started. And then you go routine and you start one thing. And I was telling Brother Raleigh, somebody I told and they say, you do all of that. So I keep abreast with that because I'm not a spring chicken. I plan to live long enough to save the rebels in this church. I can't afford to die if you're rebellious. I got to live long enough until you're saved. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm going to be around for a while. And so I was telling Brother Raleigh all of these things I do in the morning. He says, so much things? I say, yes, I do these things. And every morning. And then I go and have the miserable cup of tea and uh, whatever, a slice of probiotic bread. I'm telling you. And then maybe two eggs with a probiotic slice, one slice. And a slice of probiotic bread has 13 grams of carbs. What are you doing, Brother Singh? I'm telling you my life. I don't want somebody to talk about me when I'm dead and in a casket somewhere. The people that never give me a flower when I'm alive show up when I'm dead. Isn't that sad? We are, in this world, we are all hypocrites to a great extent. Everybody wants to say something about you when you're not there to listen to it. Give me flowers when I'm alive. And Paul is writing here, he says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and to plead not to please ourselves. We're here living for each other. He says, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edifying. You live next to some people, please them to the great extent. Uh, my neighbors don't have to cut the lawn. I have a joint lawn with them. I cut the lawn myself. I wouldn't like to see them cut it. Uh, not that I wouldn't like to see them cut it. But you know, some people says I cut it so short I don't have to cut it twice. So I cut the lawn both sides. And if it needs fertilizer, I fertilize both sides. I treat my neighbor with respect. And I wait to see this. I'm waiting. But God has given me those people, so I don't really look forward for a card or anything like that. I do it to please God and to please me. 
So I'm not telling you to live a scripture that I don't live myself. I live for humanity. I live for you in this church. I'm still here because of you in this assembly. And if you don't realize that, you're really in bad shape. And so it goes on here and Paul says, For even Christ pleased not himself. See, this is where I've got the example for. From Jesus did not please himself. And you know, today, I'm hoping uh, to see if we can get together. I talked to Sister Jasmine came to me and says, Can I get some sisters together and see if we can talk about getting some usher beds? I said, That sounds good. I said, see if you can get some sisters together. I don't know how that is going to work. But um, we, there was a time we had an ushering staff in this church. And I'm not going to stop until we have back an ushering staff, brothers and sisters, uh, that are dedicated to serve the saints of God in this church. Uh, the reason why we don't have an ushering staff in this church is because we have lost the concept of serving one another, and we're interested in serving ourselves. When you want, when you want to serve God and serve one another, um, elders would be here one hour before church starts. Ushers would be here one hour before church starts. Usherettes, remember the days, Mandy, when we used to have that? They don't have that no more. No, we don't have that. You, when you thought you came early, you were early indeed. You're early than everybody. And, and that is strange. We have deteriorated. And uh, this talk today is to bring our attention to ourselves and help us to understand where we have gone, where we have backslidden to. And when we look for examples, it says, for even Christ, verse 3, pleased not himself. For even Christ pleased not himself. Can you believe that? He did not come to please himself. Even when he took upon him the burdens of mankind. And he went into Gethsemane. And the weight. He took our sin upon him. And he that did no sin. Uh, was blamed and put to the test for our sins. That his perspiration in the garden of Gethsemane was like drops of blood. He would have died in Gethsemane. And when he felt like death was coming on him, uh, prior to the time that he should really die, he said, Father, please take this cup from me. Can you please don't let me, this happen to me? Because he was suffering. And then he thought about the will of his father. He said, nevertheless, not my will. But your will be done. See today. Mankind whether in the church or out of the church. We are here to please ourselves. To the greatest extent. Uh, self worship is one of the strongest form of religion today. And whether it's a minister in the pulpit. Or a church or a fellowship. Uh, this talk today is to help us to understand. That the possibility of apostasy lies in every church. And in every movement. And whether we call ourselves Gospel Assembly Church or the Body of Christ, if we are not already gone into apostasy, the possibility is there that we can lose out with God. 
And when it comes to a local church, we have to examine ourselves and see if we're losing out with God. Are you here? We have to examine ourselves. And some of us can be so callous that you talk and nobody hears anything. But that's okay. They did that back there in the past. But my example is Jesus, who pleased not himself. It says, but as it is written, the reproach of them that reproached him, fell, reproached thee fell on me. He says, the, he says the reproach, people's sin and their transgressions and their uh, rejection of God fell on Christ in Gethsemane. And the Bible says when he says, Father, take this cup from me. He said, nevertheless, if you want me to die here, let me die. And he would have died. But God sent angels and strengthened him. God sent angels and strengthened him so he lived to die uh, on the cross later on in that uh, very day. And so then Paul went on here and he said here in verse 4, he says, For whatsoever things were written. Now listen to me carefully. When Paul was writing this, the New Testament did not exist. When Paul was writing this letter to the Romans, the church at Rome, who, which was not started by an apostle, but started by saints fleeing life. You people love the star churches, you know. And so the saints were fleeing from persecution and whatever, and better job opportunity. They, they feel a lot of people were in Rome out of the will of God. The perfect will of God. And so... Paul is writing to this church to see if he can get some input into their hearts. And uh, he says, whatsoever was written aforetime was written for our learning. What are we talking about, Paul? He's talking about Old Testament scripture, not New Testament. Uh, the New Testament was not written when Paul was writing that letter. Later on, someone took all of Paul's epistles and put them together and formed the New Testament. So this Bible that you love so much, and you've got it here, this big old nice Bible, never existed when the early church started. Man had to pray and get direction from God. If a man said he's called to the ministry and faked his calling and faked his Holy Ghost baptism... He would be leading the people contrary to what God wants them wants him to do. And it is important. Not only then, so when we Paul says whatsoever was written aforetime, he's talking about this, the, 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 the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He's talking about all these poetic books and prophetic books. In the Old Testament that were still available, we call them books, but really they were scrolls uh, that you had to go back and read. He says, but whatever was written before the New Testament period, it was written so we can look back at the lives of the men that lived and see what happened and see if we can duplicate it. You and I today are better than they were in the early church in this way. And I said in this way because they had a genuine Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. I don't know what we got. Uh, but um, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost started that movement and they were genuine. 
When a man got filled with the Holy Ghost, they could see when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, they had half the church filled and the other half was looking on. No, every person in that building <clears throat> got filled with the Holy Ghost. Every individual spoke in tongues. Every individual spoke a language they never knew before. It was not little fake up gibberish. It was a language. And uh, if you were sitting in the, uh, one part of the congregation and you, uh, like Brother G Gregory sitting there, wouldn't that be amazing if they started, suddenly God touched me and I started to speak Russian? And what Pentecostals are doing today, speaking gibberish. And we call it the Spirit of God. It's not the Spirit of God. See, God has raised me up in this time to talk to this church and let you know there's more hypocrisy in religion and all around us than you can ever imagine. And Paul says whatsoever was written aforetime was written for our learning. And when he said that, he was only talking of Old Testament. When I say that today, I'm talking about New Testament history. We're talking about what happened from the day of Pentecost coming on to our time. That is written for our learning. And when we look at those scriptures, we through patience and comfort of the scripture, we have hope or we can go in despair. You either have hope or you throw up your hand, throw up your hand in frustration and says, I give up. But I'm hoping that we have hope. And Paul says, he goes on here and he says, uh, for the God of patience, verse uh, 5, for the, but the God of patience. I love this statement. Everybody say the God of patience. God of patience. Well, these people should be children of patience. The God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ Jesus. It's the concept that God is that Paul is promoting is that as God is patient and he gives consolation and gives us a chance to be saved, may we have the same attitude? May we care for each other? May we pray for each other? And then I told you this morning, I pray for you. I don't pray every day. I don't pray five times a day. But I pray for you all the time. I pray for Mandy. I pray for Danny. I pray for Jade. Those three names come like together. Mandy, Danny, Jade. That's right. Because when kids are not in church anymore, I pray for my own niece, Tara. I pray for Reese, uh, Teresa. I pray for kids that were a part of this church because I believe the word I preach don't always go a void. A little seed is sown in your heart. And you might cover it up and might not see it, but at the right time it will start to bloom up. Because we're heading into trying times. We're heading into possibly the Third World War. And the Third World War, if it happens, it's not going to be an easy war. It's going to affect Canada and the United States and England and Australia and Russia and all over the world would be affected. 
But then apart from the wars that are going on, there's disasters that are happening around us. The earth is res responding to man's rebellion and it's spewing out situations. Well, let's look back at what where we are coming from. And when I want to look back, let me finish this two verses of scripture. It says, consolation to be like-minded one towards another according to Jesus Christ. Verse 6, that you may be with one mind, that you may with one mind, one mind, it means we think alike. And there was a time when the church used to think alike. I would get up to preach and the brothers behind me, the elders would know where I'm going. And that is so important that we get back to that place. We have to come to the place that if one of the elders, and I'm not only talking to Brother Sam and Brother John and Brother Thomas, we have Brother Moses that's here that he was to sit, used to sit on the platform. I hope you get back there. We have Brother Vid that's there. Uh, Brother Terry is a minister of the gospel. I want him to be up here. Brother Raleigh is counted as an elder. We've got elders. We can't have all the elders on the congregate in the platform while we have church, but we will space them around. But it would be good. Uh, an elder, uh, when he stands up, he gets up and he knows where he's going with the word of God. Not everybody is called to be an apostle. Not everyone is called to be an evangelist. Not everyone is called to be a teacher. When an evangelist tries to be a teacher, he's missing his office. When an, a, an evangelist tries to be an apostle, because everybody is an apostle, an apostle cannot call himself. An apostle is sent out by Jesus personally. Since the early church got started, and Paul came on the scene as an apostle born out of due season. God has not sent out apostles. Men do the work of an apostle. But God has not sent out apostles. Read your Bible. And so I'm reading the New Testament. And everywhere apostles is, meant, is mentioned after the early church got started. Is false apostles. False apostles. False apostles. But... Before the end comes, God must raise up true apostles and true prophets again. Two ministries will be outstanding as we close towards the end of the age. The seven thunders that utter their voice would have a combination of both miracles. But here to today, we are looking back. Hindsight is looking back. And when we're looking back, I want to bring to your attention... That when I look at the early church, I see the one started in Jerusalem. Didn't take long before it was gone. Right there where the Holy Ghost fell and the early church got started. The church of Jerusalem did not last many years. It dwindled down when persecution started. Think of the churches of Galatia. We have said that so many times. Paul went out and he had missionary journeys. He started Lystra, Iconium, Derby, and Antioch, four churches in Galatia. They all went to hell while he was still alive. He said, who had bewitched you? Individuals were coming in, bringing in uh, entertaining gospel and bringing a mockery to solemnness. See, God says, reverence my sanctuary. 
And when you come into the sanctuary, there's coming a time when this sanctuary would have a tranquility and a peace and a reverence for God. Yes, this is not caravana. This is not a social club. If the bride will be produced, a church must be sober, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And so when I'm looking back, hindsight helps me to understand the church of Jerusalem went under, the churches of Galatia went under. The church at Corinth went under. The church at Thessalonica went under. And that song you were singing, was it last night with one of us, Paul and today, Paul and Silas, they were beaten uh, while they were in the church the, the, in Philippi. That church also went under. When you read the Revelation and you see uh, the seven churches of Asia Minor, all of those churches, when John received the letter for the seven churches, five were already defective. Satan had his seat in the church. Yes, sir. Is it impossible for Satan to have his seat in this church? I can't hear you. Yes. Is it impossible? No, sir. No. Now, unless we're better than Jerusalem and better than Corinth and better than Galatia, we're not. It's, it's possible. But it can only be possible if we, that are preachers, go blind. Yes, mm -hmm. We can't monkey around and expect to be ministers of the gospel. When someone comes up for prayer, if you did not pray, don't pray for nobody. But Raleigh said he had a dream that I was in some meeting. And I'm going around and some of the brothers want to come pray for me. And he's there, my bodyguard, keeping them away. I say, you're right, brother, because I wouldn't let anybody put their hand on my head when I'm not sure what the relationship with God is. Right. Are you listening to me? So hindsight is giving us this understanding that we must come to the place that the possibility, accept the possibility of apostasy lies in this church. And if you're not careful, Satan could put a seat down in the church like he did in the seven churches of Asia Minor that God sent letters to. It's not the amount of money you have. It's your dedication and commitment to God like the church at Smyrna had. Poor, naturally rich spiritually. This health and wealth gospel that is being promoted in the world today is not the gospel of Jesus. The health and wealth gospel Paul did not preach. Jesus did not preach. Uh, Peter did not preach. John did not preach. The early church did not preach. That message has come from the devil. And any man listening to this message, whether locally or overseas, if that's the concept you have, you're being used by the devil. But that's okay, because people, terrors must be gathered first in bundles so God can burn them. 
When the Bible says the world wonders after the beast, it includes a lot of Christian churches. So, I'm going to close this lesson. So whether it's Philippi, Thessalon Thessalonians, the Thessalonians, the church at Philippi, the church at Corinth, the churches of Galatia, the church at, at Colossae, or the church at Jerusalem. Are we better than those? Now, if we're not already apostate, may God help us. Because when I think of the preachers and the pastors they have, I walk into Metro uh, Saturday, and when I went into Metro on Saturday morning, I walked in, and this uh, gentleman that works there is a black guy, little bald head. He says, Pastor, it's good to see you. He says, um, I say, good to see you too. He says this, I always love to see you. He says, um, who won the game, Blue Jays or something? He says, what oh, you? Uh, what was going on? Who who, who you think? I said, sir, I don't follow sports. He said, cricket. I said, I don't follow sports. He said, well, I'm a Christian, you know, but I still, you know, follow sports. I said, no, Jesus gives me all I need. I don't need something Amen. else. When ministers are addicted, how can they save the people? When ministers are possessed, how can they bring deliverance to the children of God? And I pray that God will raise up men today with the fear of God. The church becomes a priority. I walked into church this morning, Brother John, what's the first thing I told you? About the lights. I said, there are the lights. It doesn't look bright. Something is wrong. Walked in the front door, and I said, Brother Joe, the lights don't look right. And what we found? Two blown bulbs. You see, some people are waiting to see an elephant cross the floor. God has blessed me to see when the ant is crossing the floor. We need spiritual vision. We need to stop finding reasons not to and find every reason to get involved in the work of God. And if we're to salvage ourselves and salvage our relationship with God, it has to start right here. Because I'm having a meeting with the trustees and I'm going to ask them if we should cancel Wednesday night. And if we should cancel Saturday night, because it's too much pressure on the people. I hope to God you'll give me the right answer. But what are we doing with everybody missing church? And we claim we're Christians. And I want to say, Christian, my foot. But I'm not going to say that. We need to get dedicated. We need to put God on the highest pedestal in our life. Not the job, not the boss, not the world, not the sports team. The greatest, one of the greatest religions of our time is sports. And it doesn't have one idol. It has all kinds of idols. The star for this and the star for that and the, the champion here and the champion there. 
It's one of the biggest religion. And whether you're Muslim, Hindu, atheist, you all are serving the same God. May God help us. May God help us that we see the importance of not following the beast whithersoever he goeth. It doesn't take, it can't happen overnight. It takes time and dedication. And as your illumination grows brighter, you recognize darkness quickly. And you sanctify yourself. Think about it. Would Jesus enjoy what you're enjoying? And if he wouldn't, I wonder why you should. If I run down there, and I run back here, and I run down there, and start a fire my foot, I can't do that. I wouldn't be able to walk after a while. But I do that. It means God is touching me. You got to be kidding the flesh. I'm stimulating the flesh. Would Jesus do that? Would Paul do that? Would Jeremiah do that? Would Isaiah do that? Why would somebody wants to do this kind of a monkey business in church and call it church? I'm done. I'm already five minutes beyond my time. But today, whatsoever was written aforetime for us is a whole lot different than whatsoever was written aforetime for the early church. We've got the whole New Testament to look back at and to examine ourselves and pray that God give us direction. I want you to always pray for me that God would continue to lead me every day of my life. Do I feel like I'm a human? All the time. Do I have problems? Yes, all the time. Do I have depressing days? Yes. I get, I get stressed if there is no stress. I'm so accustomed to stress that if one day no stress, what's happening? The devil let me free today? I'm glad that you're here today. And we want a church for tomorrow. Amen. We want a church for tomorrow. But I need your commitment to match mine. And we'll be on our way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this day in your house, and we pray, oh God, that you'll continue to lead us. Direct our paths, Father. Be with us, we pray. As we look ahead, Father, if ever there was a time when we need your spirit, it is in these days. Touch our minds, touch our hearts, touch our understanding, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Scripture says we're going to sing a song. Don't turn it off. Uh, we're going to sing a song and receive the offering. Band, we got a band, so I might as well use them. Play a num band number for us and we receive our regular Sunday afternoon offering. And then I want a board of trustees, those in the board of trustees, to go to the uh, dining room. And it won't be long. We just want a little period of time. And um, God bless you in this offering. Thank you. 